Um, we're, we're carrying on our, our Philippians series. Uh, we've reached chapter three. Uh, if you've uh, missed the previous sessions, uh, they're online. And I, I listened to Chris Reddin's one uh, from last week uh, while I was preparing this, and I would really recommend it. Um, it was all about uh, how things look as we move into a new phase of, of church life. I mean, we sense, uh, uh, obviously, uh, Tom is coming in, in six weeks, but we also sense that perhaps a, a spiritual, uh, more spiritual way, we, we, we're moving into a slightly different phase uh, of church life um, spiritually with, with developments uh, and with changes. And Arish has picked up on that in the morning service and Chris picked up on it uh, last week in the, here in the evening service. Um, and Chris made the point that at this stage that our own individual hopes and expectations tend to kind of bubble up. Um, and uh, they may or they may not uh, be met. Um, uh, and of course, we have them because we're individuals and that's quite right. Uh, but what matters, she was saying, is to, to focus uh, not on them, uh, but on Jesus, on what lifts up his name, uh, on hearing his voice and on living united lives of worship and service to him. Uh, and I want really just to, to build um, on that. Um, and in fact, you, you'll have seen that the reading here uh, rolls straight on uh, from last week. It says, uh, not that I have already obtained all this. Um, so it's referring straight back uh, to verses 10 to 11, uh, which, which say this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, uh, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow uh, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Uh, and it, we sort of read that. And if you read it first time through, it, it sounds fairly innocuous. It just sort of rolls, doesn't it? But the second time through, um, the, the scale of the, of the challenge that Paul is, is mounting there uh, becomes apparent. It's, it's powerful and it's profound, uh, but it also seems very big and uh, very strange and perhaps very demanding. Uh, I, mean, I think we're familiar with the idea of knowing Christ. That's language we use in, in church, uh, knowing Jesus, um, having a relationship with Jesus. That, that sort of computes for us. Um, the power of his resurrection, resurrection power, that doesn't feature quite so much in our church language, perhaps because we're aware of the dangers of overclaiming that. Um, bearing the suffering and costs of discipleship, uh, not so sure about that. Um, uh, like him in his death, distinctly unattractive. Um, and resurrection from the dead, uh, mysterious, far off. And I think Paul... Having made the statements he makes in verse 10 to 11, he recognises those dynamics. Uh, he recognises that this is something which needs more unpacking. Um, and so in our passage we've just read, uh, he goes on uh, to make it um, more accessible. Uh, so here we go. Uh, four words for you. Um, and the first word is running. Uh, I don't know if you caught the news on Thursday. Uh, the composer Vangelis has died at the age of 79, uh, so a good old age. Um, and uh, he's the one who composed music 
uh, for a range of popular films, Blade Runner, uh, Alexander, uh, and of course the most famous one is Chariots of Fire. Um, you know, it's that do 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 do. You know, it's the one that uh, Mr. Bean played uh, at the 2012 London Olympics opening ceremony when he's, uh, the camera's on him. Um, if you're not familiar with the film, uh, it tells the story of two runners competing in the 1924 Olympic Games. Uh, one uh, was called Harold Abrahams, uh, and he, he was running to prove a point as a Jew facing snobbery, um, and Eric Liddell was running as a Christian uh, to glorify God. And I want just to play uh, a short uh, clip from that film, because in today's reading we're getting into a kind of a running metaphor, and I think on a kind of slow summer's evening it might sort of uh, give us the, the, the focus on that. Um, it's not a spoiler if you haven't seen the film. It's only from midway through. It's not the finale. Uh, but Harold Abrahams has heard about Eric Liddell and has come uh, to watch him run. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? You know, the hairs go up on the back of your head. And, oh, oh. Um, actually, um, I did a, a sermon a number of years ago now, and I mentioned this film, and, and at the end, two little old ladies uh, trotted up to me and said, we remember that. And I, like a Muppet, said, what, the film? Because <laughs> it like came out in 1981, which was like ancient history, and they said, no, we were alive when Little ran in that race. <laughs> And it was a wonderful moment of, of togetherness uh, across uh, the age range. Uh, but the race we have here uh, is one that is different um, and greater. Uh, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards or upwards in Christ Jesus. So, a, a few things about running. Uh, it's a lifelong race and it's day to day. Um, as anyone who has walked with Jesus for some time will say, uh, you don't have it all uh, when you get to 50 or when you get ordained or whatever. The race takes a lifetime to run. Uh, and for us as a, a church, uh, of course, uh, we're not there yet either. Um, our parish profile uh, was open and honest about where we work well and where we want to go uh, and where we're not uh, where we need to be yet. Uh, the key is to treat the race as a daily thing, uh, to run towards the person of Jesus a little bit each day, uh, to aim to know him a little bit better each day, to experience something of his resurrection power in us and through us every day, to deal with the necessary, and I stress necessary, cost, I mean sometimes we create unnecessary cost, and that's, that's not a wise thing, but to deal with the necessary cost uh, as it comes, and to do a little bit of dying 
to self every day. Uh, progress as an individual, as a, as a church, comes one gift, one cost, one decision uh, at a time. Uh, and that just goes into uh, the mining, into the depths of the riches uh, of the, the character and the goodness and the wisdom and the glory of Jesus, uh, one step at a time. So it's a, it's a lifelong race uh, day to day. Um, it involves moving on from the past, uh, forgetting what is behind. Uh, you never forget it, do you, in the sense of, I really can't remember uh, uh, what happened. Um, but um, the point is not to allow it to have power over you, not to have it um, ruling your heart. Um, I, I was once uh, helping with a youth group in a previous church, and we invited uh, uh, a member of the church who'd become a Christian on the Alpha course uh, to come and share his testimony. Um, and he came in and just sort of, he talked us through his life uh, before Christ. And it was colourful, to, to say the least. Um, uh, one or two highlights, or highlights, lowlights, I suppose, uh, were that he, he'd, um, he lied his way uh, into uh, being a stuntman in the Richard Gere film, uh, First Night. He told them he was a qualified stuntman. He went in and filmed scenes um, with Richard Gere. Um, he, he'd also starred in some uh, racy adult movies. And by the time he'd finished, the, the, our jaws were slightly dropping um, at, at what we'd heard. And then he said five words. But it was all sin. But it was all sin. And he said it in a way that showed that he'd accepted that and he'd been forgiven at the cross and he'd moved on. Or, or again, sometimes the past isn't uh, uh, sin or difficulty. Sometimes it's successful uh, ministry, you know, the, the sermon preached, the, the, the prayer ministry where somebody has been obviously blessed and changed. Uh, the Alpha course uh, finished with new spiritual life. Uh, the, the top quality provision of large quantities of coffee to very satisfied people. Um, and uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing can apply to us as a church uh, as well. Uh, you know, we might look back uh, to the time under Frank. Oh, it was great, the good old days of stability and pastoral care. It was wonderful. Or the vacancy, when we could do what we wanted. Um, but the, the key, really, in those contexts is to give thanks uh, for what is good, uh, to commend it to the Lord, perhaps write it down in the diary, and then ask, what's next? Uh, and then racing involves focusing on what is ahead. Uh, there is more of Jesus Christ uh, ahead for us as individuals and as a church. In fact, it is very often through the church that we get, as, ex as individuals, to experience the more. Uh, for example, um, uh, with spiritual gifts or whatever, uh, the more comes from others to us uh, or flows out to others from us. But always the key uh, is to be focused on Jesus and his upwards call. Uh, if we're distracted or look off to the side, uh, you know, if you, if you look as you're walking off to the side, your body moves almost automatically, doesn't it? Uh, uh, and there's something there about keeping your eyes focused and straight ahead. 
I, I was reading a, a, an article, an, an interview with the actor Mark Wahlberg, um, and uh, it, was, it was fascinating because um, after a challenging early life, you know, this is the guy who does Hollywood movies like Transformers 4, that, you know, high culture uh, film, um, and uh, he became a Christian, he's a devout Catholic after a very challenging early life, and he said this, I will always find time to pray in church. If I'm in Los Angeles, I, I will go after the school run. Uh, but if I'm away filming, I'll find somewhere else. This is my absolute priority. And he spends sort of 10 to 15 minutes in church, in a church building, praying every morning. And he says it always serves to set him up for the day, ensuring he's focused on opportunity, kindness, gratitude, and so on, while keeping the barriers up to temptation and excess. Now, uh, a natural reaction, especially if you're not a naturally disciplined purpose, uh, person, rather, uh, is to say at this point, oh, Lord, focus, discipline. Or if you've got so much that you need to be focused on, you might think, oh, I can't be focused and disciplined on, on one thing. Um, uh, generally speaking, I think, we focus, however, on something that we think of value and focusing is a decision. So even if it is as simple as uh, setting the alarm clock for five minutes earlier to pray for five minutes in the mornings, that's focus. And for us as a church, um, I've noticed that the focus, um, there's been an increased focus on prayer, hasn't there? And in two bits really, possibly more, um, one is the, the, the prayer meeting. We used to have a monthly prayer meeting before the pandemic hit. Um, uh, and maybe 20 people turned up. And, um, since the pandemic, we've moved online um, and we do one every two weeks. And uh, the one I was at had about 40 people at it. There's been a dynamic of increasing prayer, which I think has served us in terms of focus. And there's also been the, the kind of Unite prayer weekends and 24-hour prayer um, and, and I've noticed that as we've done that, kind of side by side with that, we've have an, had an increased sense of, of God's presence, uh, his power, his, his gifts. His, it's just been a different level spiritually. So I would say let's maintain that as we, uh, if you wait for Tom to arrive and, and beyond that, praying for that more. That's um, not to to load expectations onto Tom, um, as if somehow his arrival will uh, spark, you know, revival in the land. Um, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, the poor chap will then have to live up to those expectations. But it is to, to be expectant, and the difference is that expectations are things that I want somebody to do, and when they don't do them, I am disappointed. But expectancy is to, uh, to say, I wonder what Jesus might have for us. I look forward to it. It's a different uh, way of looking uh, at the future. So, so that's running. Uh, the next word is, is together. Um, when I first read this passage as a teenager, I, I used to get very confused. Uh, because, you know, for me, an athletics race involves competing with somebody else. That's the point, 
you're running to win. Um, I couldn't work out who I was meant to be competing with. And I look at it now and I think, well, that's, that's not the point here. This is not about a competition. This is about how an athlete runs. It's about attitude and focus. In fact, it's quite the opposite from individual competition. Paul wants us to work together. Um, do you know in the, the 10,000 metres in the Olympics, when they, they kick off and they, they start running and they bunch up into a pack, don't they? And they run in the pack for circuit after circuit after circuit as they get up towards um, the, the 10,000 metre mark. Um, I, I, I don't know why. I guess it's less wind resistance. I don't know. Maybe it's easier to know that you're kind of on the pace um, and staying with people. But they run as a pack. And as a church, uh, the Jesus way is to stick together, to run the race as a pack. We're individuals, but we're not lone wolves. And, and it may be that, you know, as we, we think about, you know, moving into a new phase of, of church life, you know on the last lap of the 10,000 metres, the bell dings, doesn't it? Ding, 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 ding. And that's it. You've got one lap left. And at that point, the pack speeds up a little, doesn't it? Um, and, and perhaps, maybe for us, um, there's a sense of a spiritual bell going ding, 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 ding. And it's an appropriate thing for us to just speed up. Not, not in the sense of doing more stuff, but just welcoming and praying into um, a, a kind of change of pace spiritually a kind of greater sense of God's presence and activity. Uh, but, but if that is happening, uh, and I think it is, then take care. Because the pack speeds up, but two other things also happen. One is that one or two people sprint off from the pack. You know, they're, they're going out early uh, to try and win the race. And you need that, in a sense, uh, as a pack because it's a lead that encourages the pack to speed up. Uh, and maybe we need uh, people who we think, oh, they're, they're sort of stepping out in front and, and going first, they're leading. But unlike the 10,000 metres in church, don't get separated from the pack. We're not trying to win the race as individuals, we win it together. So we try to stay in touch uh, and equally, there, there are people uh, who kind of just lag behind. They're caught slightly on the hop by what happens, aren't they? Um, or, to be honest, they're tired because they, the pack went a bit faster than they were quite ready for. Um, and if there's a, a kind of equivalent in our church, uh, people who are perhaps tired after a previous phase or they haven't quite caught up with what's going on, then a quiet word and a helping hand go a long way towards helping us run together. Uh, and if you're one of the people who, who are behind and you think, oh, hang on, I, I, stop, I haven't quite got my feet in order here yet, um, then um, asking somebody and talking to somebody is great policy. Um, because um, if you say, well, what's going on? And you know, how does this work? And uh, what might we expect? And all that kind of thing. Uh, then it opens up things into the light. And doubt thrives in darkness, but in daylight it shrinks.
So um, that is um, running together uh, in the pack. Um, Paul also mentions copying. Um, that can be hugely helpful. Um, you, you, know, you grow by listening to sermons, you grow by doing stuff, you grow by reading the Bible, um, but very often we grow by copying somebody. Um, and that can be in, in terms of ministry, you know, birds of a feather flock together, uh, teachers bunch with teachers to learn how to teach, uh, fabric people bunch with fabric people to learn how to maintain buildings, that kind of thing. Um, when we had David Bracewell here, and he used to preach, I sort of sat there and thought, this man has got something that I don't have. He has competence and character that I don't have. And since then, I've been trying to think, how, what did, how did he do it? What did he have that I can copy? Not to become David Bracewell, but to become a better preacher. Uh, you may judge my success or failure, uh, as you wish, uh, but it's what I, I tried to do. Um, and, and more broadly, you, there, there are people in, in a church who are mature, they've been walking with the Lord for years, uh, they seek him, uh, they have a, a spiritual solidity and goodness to them that permeates their marriage or their dealing with people or their prayer lives or even the way they bear the cost of discipleship. Um, and watching what they do and learn, uh, uh, learning from it is, uh, is a very powerful thing. It's not necessarily age-related. Um, and sometimes I think uh, we who are a bit older think, uh, oh my goodness, look at that um, young enthusiastic person. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 they just need a bit of maturity and da-da-da-da-da. Um, uh, and they're thinking, oh my goodness, look at those older people who are stuck in their ways, you know, we, that we both have a, a something that each other needs uh, to um, progress forward. We run together. Um, and the final thing on that is, is just that, that little verse, actually, um, uh, which Joe very nearly read, um, but I, I, if you'd read it, that would have been great, but, uh, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Um, very simple point here. Um, rejoice in each other's ministries. Rejoice in each other's successes. Just as much as you do uh, those in your own kind of sphere of influence, rejoice uh, in others' uh, ministries. So that's it, running together, and the last two words, towards Jesus. When I looked up uh, the, uh, that video on YouTube, there was a kind of, you know, you get comments on YouTube, don't you? Um, you know, saying, oh, this is great, I love this, I first saw this film in 80, 1981, and da, da, da. Um, and w one of the comments for that bit was, you know, this is how I aim to live my life. If I get knocked down, I get up again. And, so, and, and, and there's, there's value in that, but that's not what this is about. This is not about the race of life that everybody lives. Uh, it's not about, you know, attitudes that Manchester City and Liverpool can take into their last day of the Premiership season. Uh, this is about running towards Jesus. And uh, notice how at every stage he is there. You know, he has already run the race. He has already 
taken hold of us. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he's taken hold of us already. We run with a strong, loving hand on our shoulder. And he is at the finish line, the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He is everywhere. One writer uh, says, better to have the Messiah and to follow him through the cross to the resurrection than to have anything or anyone else in the world. Um, and that's why Paul uh, is talking in, in verses 18 to 19. In that very strong language, he's uh, of you know, uh, destiny is destruction, enemies of the cross of Christ, glories in their shame and so on. He's strongly encouraging the Philippians, don't give other causes access to the worshipping part of your being. Don't give your worship to anything else. For the Philippians, the, the possibilities were uh, the Jewish law um, and being a Roman colony. The former a secure, protected, established religion. The latter a source of pride and glory. Um, but Paul's point is this, you know, that, those, that, that particularly that, that first path, the Jewish path, that path leads to destruction. It's God is no God at all. Uh, its glory consists in cutting a bit off. Um, what the Philippians have in Jesus is, is greater, immeasurably greater. He doesn't bring destruction, he brings salvation. Uh, he, he is God in the flesh, he doesn't make, we're not making the flesh into God. And the glory he brings is a massive upward transformation, not a small uh, loss of skin. And his verdict on the latter, on the Roman colony, is that Jesus' power and presence is far greater than any Roman emperor who might turn up to kind of subjugate rebellious areas around a Roman colony. Um, uh, for today, of course, we're not a Roman colony and we don't have any temptation to follow the Jewish law. Uh, I, I think perhaps one of the great uh, worship distractors of our time um, is the mobile phone or other electronic devices. Um, that, uh, they, um, you know, I think there's a whole sermon series in here um, about how to live with devices in a healthy and God-honouring way. But, you know, for, for now, I, I suppose the question is, does your phone run you or do you run your phone? Um, is it your master or is it your tool? Uh, if it's a master, on reflection, turn it off. Or at least uninstall the apps that suck your time and your attention. Uh, and of course, for us as a church, there's a, a thousand possible distractions, often necessary. Um, but the question is always, what is our heartbeat? Uh, what's at the centre? Uh, what matters, again, is to focus not on the housekeeping, uh, but on Jesus. So there we are, uh, running together towards Jesus. Uh, let me finish with talking about the last lap. Um, what do you get at the end of the race? Uh, verses 20 to 21. Um, we eagerly await a saviour from there, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. Um, the race ends at death. 
unless you are fortunate enough to be alive at the moment of Jesus' return, it ends at death. And then the resurrection from the dead. And it's like having lived a life of metaphorical mini-deaths and mini-resurrections, experiencing the cost and his resurrection power, the metaphor becomes literal. You literally die and moves to a literal um, resurrection. Um, Paul likens it elsewhere to a, a kind of plant that emerges from a seed. There's continuity with our mortal bodies, but there is change as well. And we see it in Jesus' body. You know, as one writer calls it a transformed physicality. And it's not floaty clouds and harps for all eternity. It's God's future is solid and wonderful. Um, let me finish with a, a story. Uh, one prominent church leader from the last century, uh, and from the early years of this century, uh, was a man called John Stott. Uh, and he, he lived the life we've been talking about. And he died on the 27th of July, 2011, uh, not far from here, Lingfield, over in Sussex, at 3.15pm uh, local time. He was surrounded by family and friends, and during the lead-up to his death, he had the Bible read to him, and in particular, he had the second letter to Timothy read to him. So, very near the end of that letter, and of his life, he heard these words. The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. To quote one writer, death for a believer is not a tragedy, nor is it a victory for the evil one. It is in so many ways the ultimate act of faith, where we let go of everything we have and put our hand into the hand of God. Just take a moment to pray. Father, we read your word and uh, we think, good grief, such things are too lofty for me to attain. But we thank you that your people have done it before and we pray that you will strengthen us in the power of your spirit to run forward together into whatever you have for us in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. 
Open our mouths that we might speak and follow you faithfully and well. Amen.